0: Let's start at the top and uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a free for all here unless, um, unless anyone wants to take it. The, the first question here, that, I mean, certainly if you're allowing parents into the center, then that's probably going to qualify as a frequent visitor, right? Um, as, as the current protocols dictate, Parents are not coming into most childcare centers, um, and, and so you don't necessarily need that at this point. But if you are going to allow them in, and if, and if uh, protocols allow that, then I would say yes. You know, if they're a frequent visitor, then the, then they would need to comply with your policy.
1: And i would add to that kelsey that we have to remember that our human rights obligations apply not only in the employment context but also as a service provider so whenever we're providing a service to someone we have those exact same kinds of obligations so probably the answer to this where possible and practical if you could maintain um, contact with parents outside as opposed to coming inside depending on what your operation is like, that would probably be the easiest thing because you just, you can get into a whole other host of, of issues if you have parents constantly coming in because I think that Kelsey's right. I think the policy probably does apply to them as a frequent visitor as well.
0: Uh, on the next one, certainly, you know, and I'm of, I'm of two minds with respect to referencing the TDSB policy in your own policy. I think as an employer and as a, an organization, you want your policy to stand alone and you want to back it up um, with your actions. Obviously, you are, if you are in a TDSB building, you have to be cognizant of those obligations. Um, but given the statement on the TDSB's website about what the procedure will cover, um, you know, I'm confident with the policies that we've worked on thus far for for some childcare centers who are located in TDSB facilities, um, we will certainly meet, uh, if not exceed whatever the TDSB comes up with. However, um, you do wanna make provision in the policy for um, amendments or change as necessary. And, And typically that's something we include in any policy and certainly um, you know, I, I kind of glossed over the elements of the policy, but that is something that we would include um, in a vaccination policy: is that it's subject to um, any additional requirements or changes dictated by our regular regulators, authorities, or um, you know, kind of I guess tenant or landlords, if if that be the case.
2: And just to to add on to that, uh. Given how much we've seen the discussion shift on vaccination policies in the past couple months, um, and as with everything related to COVID, the amount of fluctuation we've seen, the amount of change as we get more information and things evolve, I think all your policies and procedures should have, you know, a little one-off sentence at the end, acknowledging that you know, as as Charles said, and as we're all sick of hearing, things are unprecedented. We're developing as more information and more guidance becomes available. Um, and with that, it, it's only responsible that the center is keeping up to date with various changes and updating policies accordingly.
1: Yeah, and then just to loop back, I think Karen's added on a um, second part to the first question where she says, Can we state that in the event of an outbreak or case of a vaccine preventable disease, staff who are not immunized may be excluded from the child care center, this is to minimize the risk of spreading disease and will be unpaid if sick time has been exhausted. So obviously I'll give Kelsey and Christina a chance to weigh in after this if they want to, but I think the answer to that is yes, that things change in the case of an outbreak. And when we are developing our policies, we always include clauses that state, you know, this is all context dependent, context dependent, um, you know employers reserve the right to place employees on paid leave of absences you could you could stipulate in the case of an outbreak or not there may be other reasons why that might be necessary too so absolutely I don't think it would be a problem to include something like that either covered under a general sense or even a specific clause on a policy that would cover that kind of situation
2: yeah I would agree and you know for uh, for licensees there are requirements I, I'm blanking on the exact, infectious disease that tends to be covered. Um, but in the childcare setting, certainly there is precedent for an, if there's an outbreak of an infectious disease, if someone is not immunized against that, uh, then they can be excluded from the workplace. That's, I, I believe, legislated in the... Uh, it, I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere I'm, I'm blanking on the legislation. Kelsey might be able to jump in and assist. Uh, But certainly there is precedent for that. And I I think it is good sense.
0: What are you thinking of the CCEYA,
2: Christina? That's exactly it. Thanks, Kelsey.
0: (laughs) And I'm not sure if or what is in there, but it wouldn't surprise me. Certainly from a a legal principle perspective, I agree with with Charles. Absolutely, um, someone can be excluded in the event of an outbreak because um, that's not going to be safe for them. you know arguably you've got that responsibility under the Occupational Health and Safety Act to uh, provide a health and safety or a, a healthy and safe workplace and therefore that would you know and protect each and every employee whether um, you know, whether they're vaccinated or not. So um, certainly that's fine. So um, not hiring people who aren't vaccinated so new hires um you know again if you're taking the more uh, more robust approach we certainly have developed uh, have seen employers say we're not going to hire anybody who is not vaccinated and and that's just the way it is um you know these kinds of things already exist right people need their tb tests people need to be vaccinated against uh you know the mmr um suite of vaccines all those things already exist right and um, So, you know, in that sense, there's certainly a precedent for it. And, you know, in our view, again, because of the shift in the outlook on vaccination and and what we can do from a mandatory perspective, I think you can say, hey, we're we're not gonna hire you. Um, Again, subject to the need to accommodate under the human rights code. How long will it need to be in place? Uh, That's something that needs to be mentioned in your policy as well. Um, and certainly, you know, I think it's just reviewing from time to time, um, and you know, you you want to be flexible there, and you just essentially just say it will be revisited as um, as necessary based on guidance from public health authorities. That that kind of a statement, I think, is enough. Um, I can tell you from you know, anecdotally, we've had. Um, Uh, we've had at least one client where the union has pushed back saying, I think this is appropriate for now, but it's not forever. And that's where we said, well, you know, we've addressed that in the policy in terms of saying we'll take our guidance. And that was enough for the union to say, okay, that's, that's okay. Um, I see a couple of other, uh, uh, of other questions have popped up as well. Um, So we just talked about the, the, um, you know, Teresa's asked about, whether that would be discrimination um, if we're talking about not hiring somebody who's not vaccinated. And again, that's that's what I was getting at in terms of, um, you still have to make sure that you're obeying your duty to accommodate under the human rights code, but otherwise, um, you know, if they don't have a valid reason, then it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not unlawful discrimination. <clears throat> Um, An employee is pregnant, refusing to get the vaccine. Is this considered medical or personal? Well, until she provides a medical note from a doctor saying, I've advised her not to do this, it's personal, right? This is, I mean, I think that if I recall correctly, um, pregnant women were on the, in some of the earlier priorities for vaccination. So um, you know, I'm not sure how many doctors out there would be saying don't get it. But, um, you know, in any event, uh, if the person is saying that's the reason, then they need a doctor's note. Uh, I'm going to jump up. Kathy included a question in the uh, Q&A. One center I work with is located in a church. There are church staff who share office space and equipment. Would be re- would we be required to apply these requirements? Um, and there's public use and so on. That is a very uh, interesting and, and you know, kind of complex, layered question with respect to shared spaces. Um, and that's you know, if you look at how the TDSB policy could affect child cares, it's almost the same thing, except not mandated necessarily by any authority. Um, I think that would be something certainly to discuss with the church about what they have in place and what they're not willing to do. And based on what, you know, as as Karen mentioned earlier on, the uh, Ministry of Education is intending to come out with something to help licensees um, in developing their policies. And, you know, I, I think you may have specific obligations um, with respect to those other staff members and visitors. That would force that on them, and then I don't know where that leaves leaves you, Kathy, with respect to a debate or um, you know discussion with with church and church staff. But um, that may you may not have a choice. Uh, okay, is the employer who's responsible for for providing the rapid test? Well, it's it's not the employer's responsibility. Some employers. Um, for instance, one organization that I work with outside the childcare sector was uh, kind of grouping together with a number of sister organizations in order to establish a rapid testing program. And this is before any of these announcements came out um, as a means to try and keep staff coming to work and so on. Um, But there's no obligation on you to do that. Uh, In our view, it's simple. If you're not if you if your policy is going to allow for testing, there's no obligation on the employer to make that make that available or pay for it um, in our view the if this is an alternative that the employee is choosing um, even or, and I, I'm talking about if you're making that available for non-accommodation purposes um, If it is an accommodation, um, I still don't think it is a responsibility because, Uh, you are not responsible for the the cost of anything else. Whether you want to make some kind of specific provision is up to you, but I don't think there's an absolute legal cost or or legal responsibility. If we're talking about accommodations, then maybe that's a a conversation we need to have separately um, to kind of sort through it. Um, And I don't think you have to accommodate time off to get the test either. Um, you know, you, you need to set up, if, if testing is going to be required, you need to determine what your thresholds are, what's appropriate, take some guidance from other, um, you know, other sectors and so on. Um, and then another question about rapid testing, can, can staff members do it on themselves? Uh, I'm not an expert with respect to how the rapid testing works. I know when, um, when the province was making it available to small businesses, um, they had specific requirements, uh, and the reason for that was because it's all part of reporting, right? And I think um, uh, I think Christina mentioned, or it might have been Charles earlier on, that there are reporting requirements for for testing, and, and um, that's probably why they're saying trained professionals have to do it. Um, and this, I know this was Karen's question: Would would we be willing to provide a policy uh, template for childcare to use for a fee? Um, of course, we're, we're willing to work with, with anyone and everyone. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh, what you're getting at. Karen, happy to, to chat with you offline. Um, but, um, you know, because the, the problem with providing a template and just releasing it out into the wild, so to speak, is that, um, you know, our legal responsibility and our legal liability uh, goes with any advice or product we give and so without knowing where it might be going or what's happening to it after it leaves our hands, um, you know, the potential for exposure for not only an organization who might, you know, use it improperly or use it without our specific guidance, but also for ourselves and uh, with respect to our regulators um, is up there. That doesn't mean we're opposed to it, but I just need to know you know, where it's going and and who's going to avail themselves of it. And then we can talk about, you know, whether there are economies of scale to be had. Um, Danielle, I I think there were a couple more. Is there another
2: slide? These were all the questions. We did though just, um, does anybody know how often the test is required?
0: So, so that's really a matter of, you know, taking public health guidance, um, one policy that we've seen in the childcare sector uh, dictated twice a week, being provided twice a week. So this also then has to go on employees to organize themselves to get it in time, right? Because they're not getting their results uh, necessarily right away. If they're getting the the full test, if they're doing rapid antigen screening, then obviously it's a much quicker turnaround. Um, So these are all things that need to be contemplated uh, when you're developing your policy
1: this is the truly frustrating part because this is you could even see differences between child care centers and what might be reasonable at one where there's very few cases or relatively low enrollment might be different from a large child care center where you know it, it's in a red zone and there's cases all over the place in the neighborhood so it really is frustrating to try and nail that down at the end of the day i think you just have to like we've been saying look at public health guidelines, look at this context of your specific center and just make the best, most informed decision that you can in terms of frequency.
0: It looks like almost everybody uh, was able to stick with us for the Q and A portion. And, um, you know, again, feel free to share this with with your colleagues uh, out there in the sector, let them know how to access this presentation, which we will do our best to get up um, as quickly as possible on our website. And, we appreciate uh, we appreciate how easy it is to work with everybody in this sector. Um, you know I, that's just kind of going back to what Karen has said in the, in the uh, Q and A there. Thank you for supporting the, the child care field. Well, um, you know I think I can speak for all my colleagues and say that uh, dealing with our child care clients is uh, some of the easier times. Not not to say that the problems aren't easy, but uh, by and large, our, our clients in the child care sector are some of our easiest and friendliest to deal with. So we appreciate that uh, right back at you, I guess would be the way to
2: say that. Um, just before we wrap up, too, Kelsey, we just had one more question yep. about whether all employees should be tested, considering how um, easy it is to spread, spread the virus.
0: So certainly something that, that has been contemplated, and I think that would go more towards, I mean, you can, you can put that in your policy if you'd like. Um, I think where that comes in is maybe, again, like Charles said, context-specific. So, you know, if there's an outbreak, then everybody's doing it. Or if case counts rise in general and continue to rise, then maybe that makes more sense and we're saying, yeah. Because we know that the Delta variant especially is... Um, you know, more transmissible even among the vaccinated, right? So um, is it absolutely necessary right now? That's, that's on you to decide with respect to your risk factors and your tolerance for risk. Um, is it something that you can build in some flexibility toward? Absolutely. Um, that's kind of how I would look at it right now, I guess.
2: And then one one closing thought for me on that point, just a reminder that vaccination policies and the vaccination mandates is part of the COVID-19 prevention policy for our child care centers. It's not the entire prevention strategy. So you've for a year and a half now, you've been putting good policies and procedures in place around infection prevention, whether that's increased sanitation, mask wearing, uh, testing as needed. So keep up all of those protocols and policies. The vaccination policy works with those. It doesn't replace them.
1: Okay. Thanks again, everyone.
0: And uh, we hope that uh, we're able to do a non-COVID-19 webinar sometime in the not-too-distant future. And in the meantime, uh, we will continue to bring you updates as we learn and figure them out ourselves. And uh, as we all weather the storm, we wish everyone, um, you know, safe and happy days ahead.
1: Thanks. And thanks to Christina, Charles, and, and Danielle, of course, as well.